welcome to the British History Podcast. If you love British history, then you are definitely in the right place. My name is Philippa and I will be taking you through British history, the people, the events, the intrigue. Some of the stories you may think you know, but you don't know them in the way I tell them. And then hopefully I will also be able to introduce you to something new too. Now this podcast is free and it always will be. But if you would like more History Lover benefits, then please consider coming and joining me over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash British History. But for now, let's get into today's episode. I may have a body of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a king and a king of England too. It's just so famous and so memorable. It's one of the most famous speeches, even if people don't really know who said it or the full speech, everyone pretty much knows that I may have a body of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a king and a king of England too. It's just so famous and so memorable. I was on the search for Elizabeth's uh, camp, well, the Tilbury camp, where Elizabeth went and saw her troops, headed by her favourite Robert Dudley, Earl of Leicester. There's nothing there to show that it's such a significant place in British history. I've come to Tilbury and I'm in West Tilbury. Um, now Tilbury is the site of the famous Tilbury speech given by Elizabeth I um, at the Spanish or during, supposedly during the Spanish Armada. And it's it's one of um, the most in, one of these enduring legends about Elizabeth. Um, the, the speech itself, um, I've got a few versions of the speech which I'm going to read out to you um, in a short while when I'm out the wind. Um, where the speech took place um, and when it took place. So let's look at the where and the when. Um, so when. She in fact delivered her speech something like 10 days after the major skirmishes in the Spanish Armada put pay to the Spanish fleet. The Spanish fleet, things were really against them. The English um, did quite well, but the wind was just blowing against them. And and they'd been uh, effectively defeated, um, or it looked like they were going to be defeated, 10 days before Elizabeth gave her rousing speech to the troops which had gathered here at Tilbury in case of an invasion. Um, so uh, now for the where, so I'm, I'm trying to find the where. Now you'd expect that with such a famous monarch, with such a famous speech, there might be something here. You'll probably not believe how little there is here. Um, I'm going to show, turn the camera around because I'm looking at um, a place called St Luke's Church which has been here um, it looks Norman to me actually um, but it certainly was here during the time of Elizabeth and the the, the place where Robert Dudley um, had set up camp here because he was in charge of the troops here the, the place where he'd set up camp here was supposedly near to a windmill 
next to the church. Now the windmill has long gone, the church is still there, the church is actually a private home believe it or not, I've just been up there, um, I don't want to record outside of there because obviously I know it's a private home but even still with the um, archway um, uh, into the graveyard and the older service still up the you know the board outside um, to say when services are is still there as well it's it's incredibly well preserved and it doesn't really look like a private house but it is um, so that's the church where there was a windmill nearby and um, so we know that they were on a hill um, now if I t pan around you will see that below me here is flats it is flat very industrial around here actually it looks like we're in like the middle of the countryside but it's um it's very industrial um so i'm going to go and try and stop on the other side of this hill hi everyone let me show you where i've come down apparently this is path 63 it's not a very well maintained path but anyway i think this might take us to the most likely spot for the camp where Elizabeth um, made her speech. Oh my goodness, I actually don't know if I can go any further. Let's see if we can get a view anyway. Found about the right spot. And you can see through those trees, you can see the uh, Tilbury docks again. There's two things of interest out of that speech. Um, well, at least two. One is it was made 10 days after her... Um, her navy were her navy commanders were sure that the spanish armada threat had actually passed the other is that there are multiple versions of the speech and we'll come back to why that might be what i want to do is take you through um some of the the versions that i have we have versions from a writer who was there who was possibly a soldier, his name was Ask. We have a guy called Delaney, who was sort of the Tudor equivalent of a journalist. Um, we have an eyewitness account from a guy called Lee, William Lee. And we also have the, the, the version that we've come to know was uh, written down by a, a, a guy called Dr. Sharp. He's chaplain to Robert Dudley, um, but he wrote a letter to the Duke of Buckingham and that's where we get um, the version of the speech from. So I'll go through some of them and then we'll talk about the themes of them that, because there's the theme that runs through them all, which we'll see. Um, so Ask was saying that Elizabeth said she wanted, she was gonna fight alongside her troops and um, sort of like a Roman goddess of war. Um, she promised that she would be by their side she promised that they would be rewarded which was significant because there were issues and grumbles around the soldiers getting paid at this time um she said things like the meanest man who shall deserve a might a mountain shall for his deserts receive and um deloney who who was there also said she was using the royal we so when someone says it's a royal we we um is because the monarch is um, is talking, well, God is talking through the monarch, so that's the royal we. Um, she was she was using that, um, saying that she was going to lead them into battle, that if our enemies do assail you, never let your stomachs fail you, bit of a poet there, for in the midst of all your troop, 
we ourselves will be in place to be your joy, your guide and comfort, even before our enemies face. So, so, uh, there's one. Then there's, um, there's a, um, this one's interesting. This one is, um, it, it's words underneath a, a painting titled Elizabeth at Tilbury, and it's dated 1588. And it's at St. Faith's Church in Gaywood, which is near Kings Lynn in Norfolk. And underneath this painting, it says, It may be they will challenge my sex, for that I am a woman, so may charge their mould, for they that they are but men whose breath is in their nostrils. And if God do not charge England with the sins of England, we shall not need to fear what Rome or Spain can do against us. So this is three versions we're up to already. And the theme, the themes throughout them are similar. Elizabeth is going to fight. They're going to be rewarded. It's the just cause. Um, she's going to be there by their side. Now, when she delivered her speech, um, the accounts do talk of her in armour on, on, on her horse um, as if to do battle. Um, so then we have um, William Lee, who was an eyewitness at the time. Um, now, he preached a sermon about um, uh, about what uh, about Queen Elizabeth at this at Tilbury. Um, but it wasn't made public or his version wasn't made public for another 24 years, which cast a little bit of doubt on there. But let's go through it anyway. So in his sermon, he says that she said, Come on now, my companions are arms and fellow soldiers in the field. Now for the Lord, for your queen and for the kingdom. For what are those proud Philistines that they should revile the host of the living God? I have been your prince in peace, so will I be in war. Neither will I bid you go and fight, but come and let us fight the battle of the Lord. The enemy perhaps may challenge my sex for that I am a woman. So may I likewise charge their mould for that they are but men whose breath is in their nostrils. And if God do not charge England with the sins of England, little do I fear their force. Si duus nobiscum que contra nos. If God is with us, who can be against us? So again, that's, um, you've even got similar words there. You've got her talking about they might challenge us, uh, challenge because I'm a woman. And um, but, you know, they're just men as well. And God is on our side. We will we will fight for the cause. Um, God will be our judge. So um, Elizabeth, as we've seen um, when we've been talking about her portraits, this idea or this um, version that she's, she's a woman, she's the virgin, she has wed herself to her country and her kingdom and her people um, still runs through her speeches at this time as well. So now let's go to the famous words. Now you can see why this one would be the Hollywood version if you like. This is the one that that we see in the films. Um, because it's absolutely wonderful, which has made some historians say that it's not um, not the actual speech. It's too perfect. Now, um, let's go through it and then we'll, we'll talk about that. So 
here we go. My loving people, we have been persuaded by some that are careful for our safety to take heed how I commit myself to armed multitudes for fear of treachery. But I tell you that I would not desire to live to distrust my faithful and loving people. Let tyrants fear. I have so behaved myself that under God I have placed my chiefest strength and safeguard in their loyal hearts and goodwill of my subjects. Wherefore I come amongst you at this time, not for my recreation and pleasure, being resolved in the midst and heat of, for the, of battle to live and die amongst you all, to lay down for my God and for my kingdom and for my people, my honour and my body, even in the dust. I know I have the body of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a king and of a king of England too, and take foul scorn that Palmer or any prince of Europe should dare to invade the borders of my realm, to which rather than any dishonour shall grow by me, I myself will venture my royal blood, I myself will be your general, judge and rewards of your virtue in the field. I know that already for your forwardness you have deserved rewards and crowns, many, and I assure you in the word, word of a prince you shall not fail of them. In the meantime, my Lieutenant General, Sir B shall be in my stead than whom never prince commanded a more noble or worthy subject. She's talking about Leicester there. Not doubting, doubting, but your concord in the camp and your valour in the field and your obedience to myself and my general, we shall shortly have a famous victory over these enemies of my God and of my kingdom. So it's really when you look at the four different versions of the speech there are themes running through them all which confuses me then as to why anyone would um sort of be so so critical um of the idea that the speech took place at all now you could say that it was um a piece of theater the way elizabeth um dressed herself the way she um she she went and saw the troops even after really the threat of the Spanish Armada had had gone. There is obviously this element, large element of management um, of of management of how people see her, how people what people believe in her, and it was, I think it could be, um, it could almost be not a hundred percent faithful to the. Um, the goings on at the time, but it doesn't. That doesn't necessarily mean that it was a cynical move to go and make this speech when, um, when, when really the threat had passed. Because although the threat might have passed of that particular Spanish Armada, there was effectively a price on Elizabeth's head throughout Catholic Europe. The Pope wanted rid of her, which um, effectively put the equivalent of a fatwa on her head. Um, and so the threat might have been over at this time. That didn't mean that the threat wasn't going to come back. So Elizabeth needed to manage, um, well, to, to come across to her people as somebody that they wanted to fight for, that somebody who was giving as much to her people as she was expecting back. Um, it is a amazing piece of oratory. Um, the other thing I'll say about the different versions is that uh, the speech was so the speech was given. It was then written and given out to troops who wouldn't have heard it. So the speech was given. It was then 
written and given out to troops who wouldn't have heard it. So it was sort of passed around the camp, if you like. Um, so we have those versions. Then there are the, the obviously the eyewitness accounts who have tried to write it all down afterwards. So, oh, and it's also not um, not unlikely that Elizabeth might have given that speech a number of times over the time because everyone wouldn't have been able to hear it at the same time. Um, either way, I think the messages that go through the different versions are very similar. That so um, she made the speech. She she talked about the fact she was a woman, but she obviously she knew that that might put people's uh, loyalties perhaps at, you know, they might have worried about a, a, a woman on the throne. Remember, the only woman queen we'd had up to this point was Mary I, and the country had, had, had been thrown into turmoil by the actions of Mary, uh, both religiously and politically and in her marriage. So, um, so we've got her saying, I'm a woman, but I am as strong as I can be for you. Um, and God is on our side. And it was effective. It worked, it rallied her troops. And, and it's still known to us today.